0: give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will tell all of thy wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exalt in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O Most High. This is The Bible Says with Mike Hughes, author, speaker, and evangelist, for the Spring Hill Church of Christ, Spring Hill, Louisiana. Make sure you download the note card for today's lesson by going to our website, michaelrhughes.com. Once you're there, click on Sermons, which you'll see right below the photo of the Bible. Next, scroll down until you see the list of lessons and choose this lesson. To the right of the lesson, click Listen. Finally, at the bottom of the audio player, click Details, and then click the lesson title beneath the player and download the note card. Now, let's join Mike with today's message.
1: Several years ago, Martin Hanford developed an incredibly simple idea that would become a series of popular books entitled, Where's Waldo? On each page of the book, there was a scene. In that scene, hundreds of small figures like what you're seeing on the screen now. And among those figures is Waldo. The object is very simple. You find Waldo. Parents discovered that children can be quicker than adults, and it's not unusual for preschool children to find Waldo faster than adults can find Waldo. Children focus on what they are looking for, and they see it. And I confess from personal experience that it is much too easy to make the Bible a spiritual Waldo book. Before we begin to study, we're trained to look for specific things. And then when we read and study, we see what we have been trained to look for. One of the fundamental purposes of the Bible is to reveal the nature of God. Revelation of God's nature is the only means that we have to discover God's nature. Too often we assume God's nature before we allow Scripture to reveal God's nature. And when that happens, we see what we want to look for. And too often, only what we come prejudiced to look for. So this lesson is entitled, Find Waldo, What Do You See? Like you see all these other figures, but can you really find Waldo? Are you looking for Waldo? Or do you have in your mind what Waldo looks like? So, with that in mind, which of these best reveals God's nature? What would you say? Three choices. Wrath, punishment, or mercy. In your understanding, how would you rank these three? Is God more likely to be a God of wrath, a God of punishment, or a God of mercy? In your personal life, typically when you consider God, is the first thing you consider His wrath, His punishment, or His mercy? In other words, which of those three is the primary characteristic in God's nature? How would you rank these three? And what is God more likely to to be a God of. Wrath, punishment, or mercy. And so that's what we need to see. So, to see what it reveals, let's notice this. Hundreds of years after the death of Abraham, God led Abraham's descendants out of Egyptian slavery to Mount Sinai in the Desert wilderness for four hundred years. After that, they were in Egypt. These Israel after they he he leads them out to Mount Sinai. These Israelites were acquainted with Egyptian idolatry and acquainted with that more than they were Abraham's living God. They were freed by an act of God, the God of Abraham, and only by an act of God. At Mount Sinai, God commanded them not to worship idols. So, speaking of idols, in Exodus 20 and verse 5, God says this to Moses, You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. In other words, he's saying, you belong to me. I rescued you. Idols did not rescue you. So you worship only me. You never worship them. He said, I'll bring the consequences of your iniquity on those who hate me. And said, I also am the God who shows loving kindness. That's mercy. To those who love me and keep my commandments. Now, years later... Moses made this statement to Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6. Notice this statement. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for this treasure possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set His love on you. And chose you. For you were the fewest of all people. But it is because the Lord loves you. And is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers. That the Lord has brought you. Out with a mighty hand. He says. And redeemed you from the house of slavery. From the hand of Pharaoh. King of Egypt. Know therefore. That the Lord the God. That the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations and repays to their face those who hate him by destroying them. He will not be slack with one who hates him. He will repay him to his face. In other words, you belong exclusively to God because God chose you and you alone to be his people. Now, God did not love you or choose you because you're the biggest nation. He said, in truth, you're the tiniest nation. God rescued them because he promised Abraham that he would make him a great nation. So God is the faithful God, the God who keeps His promises, the God who shows mercy to those who love Him and keeps His promises, but He says He is the God who repays those who hate Him to their face. Now, Exodus 34, verse 6, the Lord passed before Him, and Moses, that is, and He proclaims this, He says, the Lord, the Lord, a God of mercy and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation." So the Lord is compassionate. He's gracious. Slow to anger. But He's abundant in mercy and truth. He shows mercy and forgives all forms of evil. Now, His mercy does not allow the guilty to go unpunished. When the Israelites stood on the border of Canaan the first time and refused to trust God enough to enter that land, God was extremely angry. He was so angry that he wished to destroy the entire nation. Moses begged God not to destroy them, not for Israel's sake, but for the sake of God's reputation among the adulterous nations. Now listen to what Moses said here in Numbers chapter 14 verse 15. If you kill this people as one man, then the nations, he said, who have heard your fame will say, it is because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that He swore to give them that He has killed them in the wilderness. And now please, let the power of the Lord be great as you have promised, saying the Lord is slow to anger and abundant in steadfast love forgiving iniquity transgression, but He will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the Father on the children to the third and fourth generation. There's Moses' appeal. He said, if you destroy Israel, idolatrous nations will say it happened because you were not able to keep your promise. So it's not your nature to destroy Israel. You're slow to anger. You're full of mercy. You forgive every type of evil. So it's true that you do not clear the guilty, but it is also true that you're the God who is full of mercy. Now, when Solomon later on dedicated the temple that he built for God, here's what he said in 1 Kings 8, verse 23. O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth beneath, keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all their heart. So you keep your promise. You show mercy to your servants. That's what he tells them. When Nehemiah heard about the horrible conditions in Jerusalem, he began his prayer to God with these words in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 5. He said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keeps his promises. So he begs the God of heaven. He starts in telling them you're great, you're awesome, you preserve your promises, your mercy, have mercy for those who love and keep your commandments. Daniel, in captivity, prayed for exiled the exiled Israelites. He began his prayer with this statement, Daniel 9, verse 4. Listen. He said, I prayed to the Lord my God made confession saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant, steadfast love with those who love Him and keeps His commandments. So again, he talks about how great and awesome God is. And he says, please hear me. He said, I approach you because I know that you are the God who keeps His promises, shows mercy to those who love Him and keep His commandments. So, Throughout the Old Testament, even in the worst of circumstances, God is understood to be the God who keeps His promises and shows mercies. Now, those two characteristics distinguish God from all other gods worshipped in all the other lands. Now, here they are. Even when God was His angriest Mercy was still a part of his response. And there was never a circumstance when a Moses, a Nehemiah, or a Daniel could not approach God through mercy. Could approach God. He could approach God through mercy. Now, when you look for Waldo, those little sheets we were talking about, You must recognize Waldo when you see him. When you look for God. You must recognize God when you see Him. Now, for many years, I saw only what I was trained to see when I looked for God. I knew of His anger. I saw His anger. I saw His wrath. I saw His vengeance. I saw the fear and terror I saw demand and obligation. I saw burdensome crush a crushing form of obedience. Now what I failed to see that is a part of God was his mercy. I thought mercy should be minimized. Now and so that's important to, to see in mercy. God allowed the time to come when I let the Bible show me God. I saw the mercy and love that sent Jesus. I saw mercy that produces the obedience of joy. I saw mercy that comes from God's compassion. I saw mercy that grants forgiveness and salvation. And I saw that mercy had existed from the time of the first sin. So... Now, when I look at Adam and Eve's failure in the garden, I see God's mercy. Cain, the murderer, I see God's mercy toward him. When I look at the flood, I see God's mercy toward those eight that are on the ark. The messed up family of Abraham, I see God's mercy The nation of Israel, I see God's mercy. Jesus' birth, ministry, and death, I see God's mercy. The church in the New Testament, I see God's mercy. Me, I see God's mercy. Someone says, well, Mike, you're just getting old and soft. No. What I'm doing is I'm learning to allow the Bible... To reveal God to me. Don't go searching the Bible. With your mind already made up. Let the Bible reveal things to you. So we see. God's mercy. Is not designed or intended. To remove our responsibility. Now keep that in mind. Mercy never gives us the license. To be irresponsible. But God's mercy. Is the substance of our hope. And the assurance of our salvation. Now that's what I want you to see with this. With this lesson. So with that in mind. We look at salvation. And I've showed you a form of this chart all the time. But looking at it from the standpoint of God's mercy. We hear the gospel. Romans ten seventeen: Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. When we believe what we hear, John 20 and verse 31 said, These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And because of believing, we repent. Acts 17, 30 commands all men everywhere to repent. Turn from the life that they're living. The time of this ignorance God overlooked. Now He commands us to repent. Confessing Jesus Christ as the Son of God with the heart one believes to righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And be buried with Him in baptism for the remission of your sins. Galatians 3.27 For as many as you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. God's mercy is shown to those who are obedient to Him but those who refuse to obey will see His wrath and His punishment to come. So can you find Waldo? He's there. You have to know what you're looking for when you're looking for Waldo, don't go in with a preconceived idea and you will indeed find Waldo. You'll find God's mercy if indeed you're looking for it and you're obedient to Him, His mercy
0: will be left. This has been The Bible Says. With author, speaker, and evangelist Mike Hughes for the Spring Hill Church of Christ, meeting at 405 Butler Street in Spring Hill, Louisiana. We offer numerous resources on our website at MichaelRHughes.com. M I K E A L, MichaelRHughes.com. There you'll find tracts, workbooks, and past sermons to help you in your spiritual growth in Christ. If you're in the Spring Hill area, we invite you to our service on Sunday at 9.45 for Bible class, 10.35 for morning worship, and again at 6 p.m. for evening worship. Wednesday we meet at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible study. We invite you to subscribe to our email list, To be notified of new material added to our website by writing to macmichael at me.com.